Welcome back to the Tom Bernard Show with Catherine Brandt. And without Tom, I don't know where he is. <laughs> He's on a He's... phone call. I'm Cassie Schrader. He's unavoidably detained. Yeah. Trump there he is. Yes. What Speak do you know? Speak of the devil. Speak of the devil, and in he walks. I, don't know why I had to take this phone call. You know, I'm a mover in his shape. <laughs> yeah, you're so important. <laughs> yeah. I keep forgetting. I got big shots I need to talk to. I wish somebody would remind me every day how important you are. <laughs> oh, what's that look? You know, it's so great to be involved. I should have that tattooed on my forearm. No, I do apologize. Tom for is very yeah. important. I do apologize for being on the. Uh, look, oh, we're not running the clock. Oh, oh, we just came back, so we're actually going to have oh, to go to great gosh. computer issues. So, but oh, my did. computer is deciding. You know, I'm not going to work for you. So, <laughs> it's been one of those days. And we have a guest of... in a few minutes. So, yeah. We okay, take we'll take a break? A, take a break. So, we have one segment in so far. No, we no. don't have any. None. Discussion. No, because we weren't oh, sure we when you were going to come back. So, okay. But we'll go to break. Well, no, you guys should have just gone without me. Well, that's what we decided to do, and then there you were. Okay, we'll be right back. Tom Bernardo. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Hello. Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings Hello. in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example. An adjuster, uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, 
Bradshaw and Bryant. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Is uh, Mr. Marino ready to go? Um, I'm waiting for him to call on Skype. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. He's going to call on Skype. Yeah. So that'll be good. Sorry about that. I We got a late start because I had to take a, a call uh, that was very important. Uh, Thank it's God all good I'm here. News. You would have blamed me, right? It was Catherine's <laughs> fault. She's a disaster. And... Well, that's a given. Our guest is a boxing correspondent. What's a boxing correspondent? What do you mean? Boxing correspondent. That's what it's listed. And it's oh. Gordon Marino? Yeah, he talks about it as a boxing correspondent for the Wall Street Journal. And I, and I, I don't, don't know, know what, a yeah, boxing, what that means. We're going to find out. As soon as he calls in, we'll be good to go. It'll be wonderful. He's going to be, I tell you what, I, I started reading his latest book, and this, this guy is a really good writer. His name is Gordon Marino. Mm-hmm. Uh, just let me know when he's available. Yeah, he hasn't called back yeah, in, I so I know he was calling during the break, and I'm like, ah, oh, we can't take calls right now. <laughs> I, I, we we have got they have got to get us a phone line. And that's well, all actually, I to talked to Andy yesterday about something that we can try and look into. Oh, okay. Yep. That'll be good. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. So, in in any case, yeah, I just uh, the phone call I was on was very very important. It was all good news. It wasn't any bad news or anything like that. It was all good news, but I had to do it. So. You know, there there are only so many hours in the day, right? Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Whether on this show or on the morning show, I mean, that right there is eight hours a day. And then I have all the other stuff. People don't believe me when I tell them I work anywhere between 11 and 14 hours a day. Are you justifying your absence? Is that what this is? That's Yes, that's what I'm doing. Just flat out justification. He's trying to to assuage his guilt. (laughs) I'm just assuaging my (laughs) guilt. This sounds like an existential (laughs) crisis. (laughs) Unbelievable <laughs> that you people act the way you do. There's no question yes. about it. Uh, Gordon Marino has written another book. He's got like at least five books. I think hmm. at least five books. Hmm, four or five, but I think it's five. Are they at least that? Are these how-to things or are these novels? Are they novels? Uh, it's all about existentialism. Hmm. Um, the ones that I've read anyway. Uh, but yeah, his newest book, the Ex- the existentialist survival guide: how to live authentically in an inauthentic age. Boy, isn't that the truth? It's Oof. really good. Oh, oh no, no, <laughs> no! Joe from Louisville's calling. No, we can't do that. On the Skype line. Sorry, Joe. We got to keep that line open. So yeah, we got to we have to disconnect there until we get this whole phone situation worked out. Yeah, it's uh, been pretty trying. It really sure. is. There's no doubt about it. But he really has touched a social nerve or a, a, a cultural nerve when he say in in in, in a uh, uh, what did he say a, a survival guide in a uh, 
how to live authentically in an inauthentic in a, age. In an inauthentic age or inauthentic yes. group or uh, a narcissistic group. Put any word on you want it, but that's really what you see now. Well, it's just interesting. I mean, today we're supposed to, I mean, no matter what you are doing or who you are, you're, you you are a brand. And everything is about branding yourself it and is, branding yeah. your Facebook page. And it's just, oh. you know, huh. we have our guest. We do. Gordon, how are you? Okay, I'm having a lot of trouble with Skype here, so I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's not. Believe me, we're we're we moved uh, our studio from one place to another a, a few weeks ago, and uh-huh. the phone line situation because nobody has landlines any longer. To get I know. A, to get a landline's hard. My gosh, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm on a landline in Minnesota, so. Oh, oh, you are in Minnesota, okay? Because you, you, you uh, yeah. at Saint, are you down at Saint Olaf. <laughs> I'm at Saint Olaf, yeah. God, I tell you, a friend of mine's kids coming down. I, I'll have to ask you to keep an eye on them down there, Michael Bryan. Oh yeah, Michael I love Bryan. the school, but hate the state. I grew up in the Jersey Shore, <laughs> and I'm the only Italian in the for the whole county, so it's not fair. You're the only Italian? That's not good news. You should need to go up and hang out in St. Paul. A lot of Italians. That's where I need to be. That's where I need to be. I understand that completely. I love your books. How many books have you written now? Well, I've edited a bunch. I've written out of one other one, but this is, this is my first full-length book like that. So. Okay, so, but but you've edited several? Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, existentialism is an interesting topic in, in and of itself, uh, and by the way, I um, I don't know if you've ever heard the morning show that I do on KQRS in Minneapolis-St. Paul, but... I think it's banned in St. Olaf. It probably is a ban in St. Olaf. <laughs> it's definitely banned at... Uh, at uh, Carlton. Carlton. Yeah, Carlton is definitely banned. And I'm, 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 I'm pretty much a centrist, Gordon, but uh, the problem with people that are on either the far left or far right, they don't see you as a centrist. They see you as a traitor. Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. It's yeah, true. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's a very dichotomized environment right now. It, it sure is. It's I've been un- watching Chris Cuomo, and he has this show where he really does his very best to get debates between people who disagree, and it's pretty It's pretty hard. Yeah, I, yeah debates, not that's not going to screaming at each other and hating no. each other. That works fine. Yeah, but he, try, I mean, he really tries, and he yeah. tries. You know, in, order to, in order to argue with someone, you need to assume the premises of the person you're speaking with, and he tries to do that. But it always blows up. But I tell you, you you, you talk about uh, uh, you know Kierkegaard. Obviously, you talk about. Uh, but Jean Paul Sartre said my favorite thing, and I repeat it all the time: all okay. hell is other people. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> that's a great bumper sticker. A great picture for yeah. to be it, it really is, honest to God. I want to get a bumper sticker. Hell no, is other not. people. Come on. <laughs> it's, it's I a bit love like... my students. I think a few, hell, hell is a few other people. <laughs> it's, it's a bit like when the phone rings. Uh, you say, "What new hell is this?" It's a yeah. bit of that. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh, yeah. Well, now you get to decide whether or not to answer. Whereas in the old, old days, you know. Yeah, that's true. You just picked it up. and You didn't know who was there. That's very, very yeah. true. Yeah. Very true. I want to talk about the existentialist survival guide: how to live authentically in an inauthentic age. That could mean many different things. The problem I'm having, Gordon, leading into this, because uh, I want to hear your take on living authentically in an inauthentic age. I, uh, as I already said, that I'm a, I'm a centrist, and I try. It actually has helped my career quite a bit because 
I, I got kind of crabby for a while, but then... Oh, like you're not crabby now? My I'm favorite gonna... expression is, hell is other people? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just being I realistic. Like this guy. I know. Oh, <laughs> my wife just said she she really likes you, Gordon, because you went after okay. me. She really likes that a lot. But um... I used to be crabby, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Gordon, Mr. Marino. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's, I'll get over it eventually. But I... I, I do have a huge problem with the fact that people, based on their political views, just hate one another. Come on. I mean, it's you have no control over it. Yes, you have the vote, but uh, you know it's nice to have the vote and all the rest of it. But uh, these people, a friend of mine, a stand-up comedian named Nick mm-hmm. DiPaolo, and I've known Nick for years and years, did a show last night, and the meet and greet afterwards backstage, this is in... Uh, I think it was in New York, either New York or Boston. But uh-huh. um, he, he does the meet and greet backstage, and this guy walks up to him and says, I absolutely loved your show, but my daughter wants to punch you right in the... And he got the thaw out, and the uh-huh. woman punched him in the face. No kidding. Over a oh stand-up gosh. comedy act. I mean, like, literally, like, punched him? Oh, he's got a huge black eye. He sent me a picture. Oh, my God. He's got a huge oh, black She sucker what did punched. He say, what did he say that was so offensive? Oh, his whole act is offensive. I mean, he's a nice Italian boy from Boston. You know? Oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's another contradiction in terms. <laughs> I love the guy. He, he's a very authentic person. And I guess yeah. bringing that up, he is. He just, he, he tells it like it. And it's a comedy act. Yeah, it's not yeah. serious, lady. Calm down. Right, but I, I just—it's right. that kind of thing, Mr. Marino, that I, that I have a real problem with. Is that you're going to start sucker punching people because you don't agree with their politics? What? Right. That just makes no sense. Although at some point I'd have to say that, for example, I just wrote a piece today on the separation of families. I guess at some point we could lose disrespect for people who held certain views. I mean, imagine like during the, say, the Amer- in the late '30s, Nazi Germany. You know, I yeah, guess yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It, there, there can be a point where you'd have to say, I just can't imagine why that person feels that way or thinks that way or what that says. So I, I could say, there's certain places, certain certain lines that are uh, might be drawn there, you know? See, Gordon, I, mean, I have... Like, for example, the civil slavery. I mean, time, yeah, people yeah. are fighting about slavery. No, right? no question about it. Uh, but yeah. I, see, I'm in a position right now where I have about 50,000 questions for you on, on varying okay. subjects and topics. And I don't want to take up the entire. I want to talk about your book, but I, I just, I just, it's a situation where I just don't understand getting that wound up over most things. Look, most, yeah, exactly. Yeah, most you, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you, as you yeah. said, slavery. Yeah. Yes, there's no question. Nazism. Yeah. Yes. But I have a yeah. question for you because you mentioned, uh, you know, Nazism. To me, right now, and look. Uh, if it happened, I understand that these men should be punished. There's no question about it. But we used to have due process in the hashtag Me Too movement now. A lot of men are losing their careers without any proof that they actually did anything. Uh, that up, And I'm not trying to defend the men, not at all. I'm trying to defend due process. That's what I'm trying to defend. Is that, is that a good okay. position to be in? Is that what? Is that a good position to be in trying to defend due process in today's United Defending States? Defending due process, although many, it's not as though these people are being prosecuted by law. This is the media. So it is, yes. If someone decides to fire you on the basis of some kind of allegations that's, or uh, people don't want to tune into you anymore, that's not the same as right, due right. process before the law, right? It's but, really a, a, yeah. You know, 
It's a little bit different. And, and, again, and what's I, the connection with existentialism there? Well, I just think, <laughs> you know, we're talking about an inauthentic age. I, it, it, that yeah. seems really inauthentic to me. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, well, but the, I agree with about the due process issue. Good, thank you. You know, you and I agree about a lot of things, I will tell you that. Even yeah, though, we agree about two things so far. Well, that's a lot for me, because most people, most people don't agree with anything I have to say. So, you know, I got two already. I'm in really good shape here. I'm, yeah. I'm very, yeah. very happy about that. Uh, tell me about your book. Your book. I'm, re- I'm reading your book right now. Thank you so much for your to your As book. we talk? Yes. No, not as we speak, but I, you know, uh, the publish, uh, publisher sent it to me a couple of days ago, and I started yeah. reading it. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of existentialism and the way people think. You know, as uh-huh. I said, you mentioned Kierkegaard, we mentioned Sartre, we mentioned, you go down the list. Uh, I love different thinkers. And I'm sorry, but I do love hell as other people. I really do like that. That was just play no exit. Yeah, no, I, we're fine. Um, what inspired you to write the book? Uh, that, 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 that's, a, that's easy, Tom. That was a... Uh, I've been studying, especially Kierkegaard, for the past thirty or thirty plus years. Mm-hmm. And my feeling was, if I if I couldn't articulate, I ought to be able to articulate some of the basic insights I've gotten from these people who helped me survive. You know, that's part of the book because it's part memoir. And uh, so that, that was the kind of task I set myself: is I ought to be able to uh, to, dis, uh, to discern some some of the key lessons I've taken from these these writers um, who are a motley crew. Like a lot of your uh, your audience might not know who the existentialists are because there, there's a, quite a bit of disagreement about who they are. They're, they're, uh, they're, a lot of them are, just, are novelists like Tolstoy, Dostoevsky, and yeah. you have philosophers like Sartre, Camus is basically a novelist uh, and a playwright, and uh, Kierkegaard, who considered himself a poet but was, has been appropriated by uh, philosophy departments. And um, so, and, and only the only person ever, the only the only important uh, existentialist ever said that he was an existentialist was actually Sartre. And the rest of them denied the right. the, uh, the the label. And uh, you have amongst the, the, those group that that group you have people that were ardent believers, and then you have people that are fundamentalist atheists. So it's a real it's a real motley crew of people. But the one thing that attracted me, the, the thing that attracted me to them more than anything, to again, especially the Kierkegaard, was the fact that they addressed the, uh, the, 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 um, the impediments within us to being good human beings. I mean, mm-hmm. it seems to me that, that people, when everything's going, going well, you, when everything's, you know, all the lights are green, that you ought to be able to be a decent person. Most people can do that. Not everyone, but most people. And, uh, but there's many times in life when we're going to suffer with anxiety, depression, right. grief, things like that. And, these thinkers addressed that in a way that I found very, very helpful. I tell, I tell you, Gordon, you don't mind if I call you Gordon, do you? Of course not. Okay, I want to make sure. Yeah, um, thank you. The part that's really, uh, and it's all important, angst, depression, you know, all of it. It's very, very important. But I think right now, despair, I think I, there is a, a, an uptick of 40% in suicides this year. I know. I know. It's, it's remarkable. terrible. I know. So there's a great deal of despair. What's bringing mm-hmm. that on? Well, I don't know about, but one of the distinctions I, I try to draw there, Tom, is the, between uh, despair and depression. I, I argue that, yeah. uh, and again, this is this is coming from from Kierkegaard that that depression is a mood that that goes through us, you know, and uh, we don't have a lot of control over some of our moods and emotions, whereas uh, we do have a relationship to our moods. You can decide 
what we're going to do with them. For example, if I'm really feeling down, it doesn't get, you know, I, I still have to try to be a loving human being, try to be a good parent, good parent, good, good, you know, good spouse, uh, and that we have a, that, that we have a, a relationship to our moods, right? That we shouldn't be determined by them. And a lot of there's a lot of people who just think that, uh, well, you get in a certain mood and you don't have any more responsibility, or there's nothing you can do about it, and so uh, that that's. And so I try to draw this distinction between a spiritual disorder and a psychological disorder. So someone could be uh, miserable, um, you know, psychologically miserable and happy, and at the same time be in, I would say, good spiritual shape if they're trying to be uh, a good human being, you know? Yeah, that's so, it. Uh, that's that's all an important that. distinction, and, and, and we've collapsed the distinction so that, you know, well, if you're in despair, yeah, you might... Might as well take some medication or something. I think it's the same as being hopeless and everything. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Can, can you hold on for another segment? I'd sure. love to do another segment sure. with you if we can. We'll be right back in just a couple of minutes with Gordon Marino, the existentialist guy, survival guide, as a matter of fact. Be right back. Tom Bernard Show. I love this guy. We have a great guest. Because then you don't have to put him in later. <laughs> All right. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you can relate to the pure joy of hanging out on the dock. I know. Family, friends, and the calm of the water. Worn out? Like heaven, you're going to want a flow dock. Flow docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side-to-side sway. And get this, you can install, level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, Flow's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make. Right down to Flow boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flow is about making things easy, meaning you have more time to enjoy being at the lake. Well, actually, 325. Now that we're here, actually, there's a lull in traffic right about 330. Yeah, peak speed. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutrimost weight loss now you can find out how to have success losing weight at Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth just like me at their free information. There is a law at 330. I can take the pipes. I can just take the access road. Those unwanted pounds will melt away really fast. We're just so close now. This is just the nicest thing in the world to be here. It's going to be our first finding out what foods my body prefers, and I now know the foods that our weight gain triggers. As I've said over and over again, the Nutrimost weight so loss plan is so easy, we'll and they guarantee like that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Call now to register for the Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner on July 23rd. To register, call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. We are back, Tom Bernard Show. Ralph is here. Catherine's here. Cassie's here. Uh, Gordon Marino, our very special guest today, the existentialist survival guide. Uh, Gordon, I have a, another question for you. Sure. I'm just basing this on on research that's come across the airwaves. Like, like I said, I, I do a morning show as well, and I, we do this afternoon show. But um, there, there's new, there are new claims 
that 70% of the world's population cannot think beyond the level of a 12-year-old. Do you believe uh-huh. that? Do I believe that? Yeah. Uh, I have no reason to, to, to disbelieve it, yeah. Yeah, it's so I want to write a book. You and I, I want to write a book with you called The 1%, because basically, <laughs> yeah. based on that, The 1% would be people who aren't stupid, crazy, or crooked. <laughs> we got and also have some curious, or, or and also have some curiosity. There's a lot of people. That's a big factor too. It is, yeah, tell me about that. I, I, yeah, expand on that if you would, because that's fascinating. Well, that's such a such a gift. I mean, there's so many people that are just curious and and don't want to uh, don't, aren't eager to to learn about what's going on in the world and other people and, and um, aren't, aren't self-reflective. I think it's one of the certainly one of the points in my book is, and I think in philosophy is. Um, to encourage people to reflect on their lives, to think about what kind of people they want to be, to think about where they are, and that requires, uh, uh, that's not that's not easy. It requires being honest with yourself. And um, there's so many people, a lot of people are really smart and good at making money and everything, but aren't very self-reflective. And, yeah. Uh, so yeah. let's put the self-reflective in there, too. Yeah, self-reflective is good, but but you're, you're 100% correct about that. People... They just, they want nothing to do. Last night they ran the uh, the MTV Awards for movies and music and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. It actually happened on Saturday night, but they ran it on, on uh, television last night, on MTV. Right. And when the woman announced the winner of the best picture of the year, she ad-libbed a bit and said, the winner is Black Mother Effing Panther. That's the way she said it. What did she say? She said, there's a movie, Black Panther, right? Yeah. It's a big movie. She announced the winner, and the winner of the movie of the year is Black Mother Effing, only she didn't say Mother Effing, she said the whole word. Okay, yeah, yeah. Black Mother Effing Panther. I was like, is that really proper? Look, I'm not a prude or anything. Is that proper? No, that's that's vulgar. There's certainly been a decline in our discourse, hasn't there? And what? I mean, when I was a kid, if you said someone sucks, that was like a fighting time, man. (laughs) That was like, I have students that say, oh, if they walk around on the streets, that say, Carlton sucks. And then I ask them, do you know where that word comes from? I don't know. You know, what's the origin of that word? Yeah, so our our level of discourse is going down, 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 and we have a responsibility to pick it up. We do. We have a huge responsibility to pick it up because it's all that... I mean, when I was a young child, I grew up in North Minneapolis, a very poor kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, My father was institutionalized. So uh, that what you're talking about, those were the only important things to me, to be reflective and to sit and think about where where do I go from here. Um, It was very important to my life. And I don't know that there are many, uh, you know... 12, 13, 14-year-old boys or girls now that sit back and go, well, what am I going to do because I have to improve upon this. I don't want to live the rest of my life in poverty. What am I going to do? Uh, well, that's that's important. That, that's certainly something for kids to think about, but they also need to think about what kind of human being do I want to be, Yeah. not just what they want to do. What kind of person do I want to be? That's for... Uh, that's self-reflection, you know, what's what's important to me, what, what kind of person do I want, and, and you should measure this. I mean, there's all, as you know, man, there's, there's so many contingencies in life. Life is so much uh, like a lottery in terms mm-hmm. of how being successful. Yeah. Right. But uh, we should measure our lives by what kind of human beings we become, you know, I mean, ultimately. 
I think that's I don't absolutely. Think get, I don't think we get to some extent. You wonder about you know the, the suicide issues and the anxiety in this country. One of it has to do with just absolute terror of being unsuccessful, of, of being being a loser or invisible. You know, you become you know, uh, and uh, this. Uh, so uh, I think some of our priorities are in this place. There, we need to think about what kind of people we want to be and why. Do you think uh, because a lot of people don't think about the person they should be or want to be uh, or have really poor judgment of what that is it seems and it's always happened throughout history i'm sure but it seems to yeah. be a large number of people now a large percentage of people have no problem with cheating and stealing has it always been that way or is it worse now oh, i don't know but you know i have a feeling that things have been bad before in this country yeah, yes oh god you know, absolutely look back, you know, look sure. a little history like yeah I'm, I'm not sure that our, our ethics are any any worse or better than they've been in the past. So Good. I'm a, yeah, I don't know. It's, an, know. it's an interesting point. I, I, I just, yeah. uh, I, I, yeah, I could. Yeah, because some of our history books about what, are, what went on in the 20, you know, and the, other times in history, I think, oh, my gosh, you know, like, uh, this is not exactly how we're living in, and this, we've, been through, we've been through this kind of thing before. You know, so sometimes I think it's important to have an historical perspective. Yes. Technology's changed a lot, don't you think, Tom? I mean, really, yes. I mean, in terms of one of the most important, I mean, it's so important in life to be related to one another, to be close to you, you know, it's closeness. And I, and I, I know it sounds like a little bit of a curmudgeon, but I, I think um, you know, social media and all that stuff has, has, has not made that any easier, you know, to have authentic relationships with people, real close, to be close with one another. Uh, and I, I think of life as a... Something, you know, like when we go through life, there's going to be a lot of stuff. We've got to try to hold hands together, try to keep together. You know, and uh, I, I, I think we're, we're, uh, there's quite a bit of alienation right now, a lot of distance between people. It's and really... Not just on political issues, but just in general. Yeah, it, I think that's true. Is it possible that uh, the physical close, closeness with people uh, helps, uh, helps them uh, uh, talk to each other, understand each other, uh, be appreciative of each other rather than uh, this sort of uh, non-physical, electronic kind of uh, yeah, I, I attitude. Think I, uh, yeah, I just have my tie from New Jersey. Remember, I see if I, I throw, I put my arm around. How's it going, man? You know, like and yeah. there's a level of affection. And I train boxers forever, and that's one of the things that there's a lot of affection between in the boxing world. And uh, yeah, and then that, that, so uh, I, I think affection is an important component of being close. Yeah, and I'm just you know, you know what I mean? It's like you know, just just put your hand on somebody's shoulder. Yeah, but that, that laying on of the hands. I'm I'm a physician, and the lay, yeah. so that laying on of the hands is an important part yeah. of medicine and curing and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and we've 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 sterilized that out of what we do when we interact with many people. If you're online, certainly. Well, right. In, right. Oh yeah. In yeah, elementary definitely. schools, there uh, the teachers are told to not touch the children. Of course. Yeah. 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 That's true. That's right. Yeah, but there's so many issues about liabilities, and it's it's a world that's terrified of a line of liability and things like that you know gordon by co by coincidence um yesterday uh mm -hmm. and it was very important to me and i i tried to explain to people how touching it was that this happened and how how much i appreciate that it happened there's a young man that comes in and does this show with us uh every monday and he's been around for a couple of years now and he's a young black man and his name is tevin and mm -hmm. uh he and i get along really really well well, uh, I looked at my phone, uh, and there was a reference to Father's Day on there. I didn't recognize mm -hmm. the number because he had changed his number, and I didn't recognize mm -hmm. the number. But he sent mm -hmm. me a, a text for Father's Day that said, 
happy Father's Day from your black son. <laughs> now, he's not my son, but I, it, it feels yeah. like he is. That's I'm, very moving. That's really isn't powerful. that wonderful? I, it was, I said, yeah. Kevin, I cannot tell you how much that touches my yeah. heart and how much I appreciate yeah. that. That's beautiful. And he's making himself vulnerable by doing that, right? Oh, vulnerability. Yeah. Well, he can, like that. he can That's do that because he's about 6'3 and he's very handsome. So, he, you know, he can let go. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't... No, but he's opening his heart. Yes, a, yes. I don't care how damn, how big you are. This and that. That's a big thing. It is. I, I, it was by coincidence that just happened. I talked to him about it yesterday. He said, Tevin, did you send me a, a text? Because I, <laughs> I didn't recognize the number because he has changed his number. He said, yeah, I did. I said... Yeah. Do you know how important that is to me? And he goes, oh, uh, that, and he thought that was nice that it was important to me. Because it, yeah, well, it is. Good. And it's good that you could, well, the fact that you could tell, go up and tell him that how important it was, that it was to you, that, that says a lot, too. And I'm not, and so people, some, some people are so awkward with emotions and things like that, they just can't deal with them, you know, because right? yeah. it's beautiful that you could do that, you know? Well, I grew up a Catholic kid in a very Catholic home, so there was a lot of emotion uh, <laughs> all the time, good and bad. I was like, I love yeah, you, I, know what you mean. I love what you, but mean? I could kill you. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's one yeah. of those yeah. deals. Yeah. Um, I, that culture, uh, Gordon, as an Italian, I'm assuming, you, did you grow up Catholic? Yes. Okay, so you understand, I love, even though I'm not a very religious person, a lot over the top. I don't. I'm not smart enough to know whether there is or is not a God. I'm not that bright. It's not a matter of being smart. It's a matter of whether or not you're going to you're going to trust there is or, is or isn't. Yeah, that's true. That's very smart. Have nothing to do with it. No, you're absolutely right about the that. Choice. But growing up in the Catholic culture was very important. I, it's something I still love the culture of, mm-hmm. of of what Catholicism brought to my. I grew up in a neighborhood. That uh, on uh, you know east of Lindale Avenue it was uh, Italians, Irish. Uh, yeah. Some German, some French, all Catholics. They were all Catholics. Yeah. And then the yeah. black neighborhood was between Lindale and Penn Avenue, and the Jewish neighborhood was west of Penn Avenue. So I got right. very lucky where I grew up, Gordon. Really lucky. Yeah. All these different yeah. cultures. And there was a lot of emotion. My mother was a very emotional person. She uh, she was a tough woman, Gordon. I'll tell you that. She was a tough woman. But I knew how much my mother loved me, which was very yeah. important. And you can and you can be tough. I, I just as a as a trainer, I've always feel it's been. You can be very tough on people as long as they know that you love them. You know, I scream yeah. all the time at my boxers. You know, and, <laughs> and I go berserk. I mean, I'm, and, and uh, but they know I love them. You know, and so uh, that's that's the important thing is they got to know Did you? that you that you that you're in in their corner and that you and that you care about them so much. And then you can and then then toughness is. It's a whole different story. I'm assuming you boxed as a young man. Yeah. And what what weight? Heavyweight. Oh, you were no. heavyweight. Ooh. Yeah, there was no uh, uh, back in my day. There was nothing. Is either a light heavyweight at 178 about or a heavyweight? So it was a year when fighters were becoming much heavyweights were becoming much bigger. I'm assuming you've seen Requiem for a Heavyweight, written by Rod. Yeah, Stein. it was great. Yeah. One yeah. of the greatest yeah. movies and ever. Muhammad Ali's in there and Archie Moore. Yes, yeah. exactly. Muhammad Ali is yeah, Cassius Clay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what yeah. a great movie. Amazing. One of my favorite lines in that movie, Gordon, yeah. is when uh, when the, the, the subject of the movie gets his bell rung and <laughs> the trainer leans over and goes, where are you? And he says, I'm in Pittsburgh and it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> Rod Serling yeah. was a great writer. But, that was see, a powerful movie. 
Uh, Gordon, I'm glad we got down to this because, to me, uh, it's all about emotions. It's about, about you know, things you like, things you dislike, uh, self-respect, respect for others, love of the people close to you. Have we, are we losing that? I hope not. Well, we're certainly not losing that, but I think it's our capacity to, to form strong relationships. It seems like it's it's uh, more tenuous these days, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And and why is that? It, people just are they are they sheltering themselves? Are they kind of putting well, up? They move, a, they move around. There's moving, more moving around now for jobs. Yeah, right? and true. People don't stay in the same area. You know, uh, 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 again, it's kind of a you know. Driven. Some people work two or three jobs. I mean, time issues, and well, I think there's a lot of factors. And again, so the uh, social media, uh, entertainment world, you know. So uh, used to be had No, you said you grew up on the Jersey Shore. Yeah. Did did your did your parents? I mean, to me, at first blush, I would assume your parents did a really good job of raising you. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, they, they certainly didn't spo- spare the rod. There was a oh, lot no, of no. love there. Though. A lot of love. It was a pretty crazy household. It was a lot of love. And I talk about that in the book a lot. There's a lot of fighting between them and drinking and things like that, which is yeah. uh, really hard and scary. Well, you already said you were Catholic. I went through the same thing. <laughs> it's just part of the deal. But but you, you did you know your mother and father loved you, even though they were hard yeah, on you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, See, that's huge. Yes, that's a huge, huge. thing. Yeah, we've got to understand it. So that's one of the things I, and i got to go on thing because i got to go do a seminar. Yes, sir. Um, but, uh, you know, that's one of the things I found with boxing is, is a, a lot of the kids that are, there's a whole, there's so many kids in the world that don't ever, they might be in a household where there's all this, you know, hatred, and then they, they're angry and they go to school, and teachers are yelling at them, and they never get any affirmation, and then they get in the boxing gym, and they stick yeah. with it. Somebody tells them they're good at something. It shows them some affirmation. We all need affirmation, and some people don't ever get it. No. And when you get that affirmation, you blossom. A lot of people blossom that. But sometimes they don't realize, man, I mean, there's so many kids that never get that. All they get is, you know, yell that, you know, and, yeah, and then yep. they get more and more angry, and then it's more and more yell that. And so I think it's really important to um, to show our love for people and to realize how, how, and how, and how lucky those of us who, who, no matter how tough our environment was, how lucky we are that we received that. There is no question about that. I, I am. Yeah. I appreciate it every day that my my mother was a diner waitress for fifty seven years, but right. I, I, she was a tough woman, and yeah. I knew she loved all seven of us. She loved all seven of her children. It was wonderful. Right. Right. Gordon, go do your seminar. I I, I do want you to. I want to have more conversations with you. Yeah, it's fun. I love talking. It's fun. Not just one either. I, I want to stay in touch. Thank you, Gordon. Uh, so, yeah, if you're ever down Northfield Way, please let me know. We'll grab lunch. And is it when, when is it uh, in, in, in Greenstreet Way? Is, is it Winifred? Catherine. Winifred oh, actually Catherine. is okay. the, 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 oh, sorry, the she's the engineer. Yeah, I see it there. yeah uh, and thanks to Catherine too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and Ralph, <laughs> Doctor Ralph Basham <laughs> as well. So we now we okay. mentioned everybody. Thank you, okay. Mr. Marino. Thank you. And God bless. Bye bye. God bless you. I loved him. We had, all you have any great guests yesterday, the Jewy Jewison from Jewville. <laughs> what? Remember he Sorry, called himself Jewy Jewison yeah. from Jewville. The, uh, uh, Roy uh, Sikoff. And by the way, Roy's going to be on the KQ Morning Show. So oh, we, good. We did, thank you for, for helping with that. These are really good guests. These are very important guests. We're talking about things that nobody talks about. 
yeah. You know, it was interesting because on social media there was a, it can be used for good. It really can. Um, There was a little uh, thing going around about these teachers are now having the kids when they come into the classroom shake hands and make eye contact with each other. Yeah, that's good. And some of them mm. lean in, they give them a hug. I, I, and just, just the simple thing of being, you know, having eye contact just turns us into humans, I think. And human mm-hmm. contact, just to touch another human being, which is very dangerous these days. I mean, it is. Uh, we will be back with part three of Hour 2 right after this Tom Bernard Show. We are here with Chris Lindahl. What's the latest? Chris Lindahl Real Estate, the real estate brokerage, is finally here. We've declared our innovation independence. Your innovation independence. You're, you're dressed independently today, I will tell you that. That's you look good, man. You look great. Thank you. And we also have something super exciting for KQ listeners. We are going to give away a free listing side commission now through June 29th. How does that work? So, so we're going to sell someone's house for free. What? Yeah. That's yep. pretty good. Yeah, and it's just a way of saying thank you. And KQRS has been amazingly supportive to the Chris Lindahl brand and now to Chris Lindahl Real Estate. It's a way for us to say thank you. It's also not a bare-bones offer. So everything that Chris Lindahl does to get you top dollar for your house, we're still going to do, and we're going to do it potentially for free for one listener. Now, how do people get that done? How, how, how do they qualify for the – is it a drawing or what? It, yep, so it's so it's a drawing. So you can go to chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K, and you can click on the free listing side commission giveaway tab to sign up, or you can call 763-401-SOLD. That is a wonderful thing. And when, uh, when do they need to do this buy? So the deadline is June 29th. June 29th, and how do they do it? They go to chrislindahl.com, that's Chris with a K, or call 763-401-SOLD. And I just want to say thank you so much for all of the support during our transition. We're super excited, and we're bringing innovation to another level. It is a wonderful thing. Chris Lindahl. Thank you. You're a good man. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Okay, we are back. We're back. And Tom's not here again. What a shock. And he promised he'd be back because he was only going to be gone for a moment. Oh, God. So uh, he lied. You were just telling me about milkweed. Why did you want milkweed? It's a weed. Because uh, monarch butterflies are completely dependent on it. It's the only thing that they eat, and it's the only thing that they lay their eggs on. If really? they don't, Yep. If they don't have milkweed, they don't. we don't have any monarchs. And I haven't seen a monarch in my neighborhood in a, forever. Oh. So that's why. Apparently, they're fairly easy to grow, and there's a bunch of different varieties of them. Monarch butterflies fly to Mexico. I know. Isn't that amazing? They fly to Mexico. There's one or two generations there. And maybe Costa Rica? And then the third generation flies back here, flies back and disperses in the United States. It is, of course, interesting thing. Um, It's, It's astonishing that they can make it that far. I I don't even understand. They make it that far, not... Genetically, because they've never been there before, it, so there'll, there'll be two or three generations where they've flown to, and then this new generation is flying there back. 
back and forth. How does that work? A little tiny insect brain. (laughs) If they even have a brain. Do they have a brain? Do they have a brain? Yeah, they have a brain. They do? They have a brain. But, you know, what would drive something like that? It must be something external that pushes them. Clearly, we know know so much about everything. So happy about that. (laughs) We're well-informed. Yeah, we like to think we do. So many things that we have such uh, a poor understanding or no understanding of that. So, you know, how does does a butterfly get to Mexico from... uh, you know, yeah. Wyzetta, who knows? That's amazing. I Those monarch butterflies that migrate all the way from Minnesota yep. to, and they all go to one tree. And is, is it in lower Mexico? Like the southern almost? I can't remember exactly where, but the whole tree, it looks like leaves, but they're all monarch butterflies. Huh. Yeah. It's really cool. It's a whole area that they go to Yeah. Uh, from all over the United States. Yeah. Uh, Bill McGuire is a hardcore, you know, national world ex- world. Uh, expert on butterflies. He is. Does he yeah. grow milkweed? Yeah, uh, he got to grow play. milkweed if you, you are. Do if it. you want the monarchs. I've around. got some very strange-looking sticks right now on the side of our driveway, hoping that they'll turn into actual plants. You know why I was a little <laughs> bit late coming back? Because you lied and said and took a phone call. No, I did not take a phone call, but I did run into a man in the hallway who listens to this show, and he loved Gordon Marino. He wanted oh, to talk about ex- existentialism. Oh, that's cool. That was very cool. So that's where I was. I was in the hallway talking to him. So people are, people are listening down the hall? Yeah. That's the greatest thing in the world to hear. It's so sweet. It is wonderful. Yeah. That's wild. That's wild. That's wild, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, I, hey, when I was... Very Johnny Carson. When I was first on the air, when I was 18 years old, I knew I was on the radio, and I knew 1500 was a big-time radio station, had a lot of listeners. But when people would come up to me on the street, I was like, God, what? How did that happen? I know it's almost weird. It's very weird. There <laughs> you go. Well, how do they even know who I am? Well, you broadcast on a fifty thousand watt radio station, and you have a twenty share, so I'm assuming somebody knows who you are. No, it's like when people come up to me and talk to me about the podcast. I'm like, I mean, they remember all these things that they do. Yeah, everybody says, and I'm like. I'm on the show and I have no recollection of that no idea ever what the hell you're talking about. And what did I say? I don't remember that either. Yeah, it's wonderful. But when you when you create uh, sort of the theater of the mind, and, and Tom, you've done that more than anybody, or as good as anybody, and nice. that that really leaves um, that really leaves a memory or a sense memory that um, is very important and is almost indelible. It's yeah. different than when you're, but when yeah. you're on this side saying things, but when you hear things and you're creating things in their mind, I mean, it's just a yep. very interesting thing that you remember. Yeah. You know, it is interesting. I, and I, I said I'm, I was raving about Gordon Marino earlier, uh, just you know, about five minutes ago after I talked to him. But it's nice to talk to a man who was a heavyweight boxer. He teaches boxing down at Saint Olaf, but his life is all about loving and being loved. I mean, that's a huge thing. And finding balance. Finding balance, absolutely. I, I loved talking to him because there's so many men now want to be tough guys, but they don't want to admit they have a need to be loved. Well, I just think that we're we're so busy trying to make a, an appearance of some kind, whether it's, like we said, on social media or whatever, that my life is like this and everything is just great. And we're looking yeah. outward for for everything. For, right. Yeah, and we need to look. You have to look inward to find happiness. You can't find it in the outside world. Whoa! Whoa mind blown. <laughs> Whoa, my, well, you yeah, existential uh, lady well, that's over there. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, did. I did want to just ask that 
is the idea of existentialism, uh, uh, does personal responsibility spring from that? I certainly hope so, because it, you're going to have to be personally responsible for people to love you. Otherwise, it's really hard to love somebody who will take no responsibility for anything. Yeah. It's really hard to love somebody like that. Well, you can't that. have a relationship with someone like no, that. No, you can't. You I mean, can't. It's, it's a very difficult situation. So, I mean, that's... I, for me personally, I love strength in people, particularly women. Again, I was raised by my mother, so I suppose that does make sense. Um, an honesty thing is kind of nice. That's good. But to be loved by someone like that, Catherine, is... is I can't tell you how important that is to me. It's my whole life. So is it possible that the physical representation of existentialism is personal responsibility? Yeah, I, th- I would think so. And that's maybe, you know, you, you walk around, hey, oh, you, you look like you're an exten- ex- existentialist. And then you, but there's no way to know that. But personal responsibility, when you take personal responsibility, right. you say, oh, that happened. Well, what's my part in that? Well, what's my piece of that? What's my responsibility of that? Someone's angry at me. Well, so what- we're talking about morality, really. No, no, well, ta- I'm talking about how, how, well, how you. In a way, how you what, because you- if I do something, if I say something that's offensive, and even if you don't react, and and I and I think about that myself later, and go, maybe I shouldn't have said that, and then I might call you up and apologize. That's a working on myself. Yeah, and that I think that stems from morality, you know, doesn't it? Uh, and maybe morality stems from existentialism. Man, this could get so deep. I uh, know, I love <laughs> it. I absolutely. I, we've been uh, the guests have been fantastic. I would say. Here's an example of of how uncomfortable people are with that. And I, I would, a couple of years ago. Uh, maybe it's three years ago now. It, it is three years ago. I played in a golf tournament with Peter Jordan, a friend of mine. And the tournament ended. And I, on the air, talked about the fact that if I had played to my handicap, not bettered my handicap, if I had played in the tournament to my handicap, we would have won. So I wanted to tell young people, I accept full responsibility that we lost because of me. Because I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I tried, but I couldn't perform. I accept full responsibility that we would have won the tournament had I done that. We didn't win because I didn't do that. People got really mad at me for saying that. Mad. Some people got very angry with me. Why are you telling people that? I mean, by God, you're what? exposing yourself to all these people. It's like, why are you doing that? There, Some people are really uncomfortable with that. Exposing yourself that you didn't shoot well in a golf tournament? I, hey, that oh, stuff man. means a lot to them. a lot of people. Take that oh, stuff people very will cheat. seriously. People, people will cheat to win. They will. You know. Man, we no have problem. a caller. Who's our caller? Joe from Louisville. Joe, what's up, man? Uh, not much. Just enjoying my time off. Hey, when are you coming to town? Uh, we leave Friday morning, and we'll be there Saturday afternoon. Okay. Oh, okay. So you're going to drive up. That's right. You got the, the Tom Bernard podcast bumper sticker. Um, I got your, your message last night cause I didn't, I didn't check my phone at all over the weekend. So, uh, I'll probably give you a call later. All right. Okay. So what's happening? Uh, not much. Um, I, I looked at the, the trailer for the new Superfly. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I'm not really sure that you're kind of bad. You're kind of your your kind of movie. It's um, a, yeah, it, it is. It is based off the original Superfly, but it's very modernized. So I'd hate it. 
You might. <laughs> Is it so modern that white people are playing black people? <laughs> no, not that modern. Oh, okay. But yeah. it is, but it is uh, the the um, gangster rap. Oh type. God! Okay, we're well, um, I'm done. I won't movie. be going to see it. I will not be going because that's not what the whole point of Superfly. Well, I shouldn't say whole point, but a very important part of that is he couldn't be accepted by white people or black people because he was mixed race and uh, was referred to as white looking. This is a guy who had no place to fit in. So he turned to crime, to be a, being a drug dealer and a scumbag. So you're saying that this movie actually had some substance. The it original did, one. yeah, the original See, I, one did, yes. I, for some reason, I just thought it was just like, you know, one of those stupid 70s movies. Well, it was a stupid 70s movie, oh. but it did have a base. Okay. There was something supporting it, and that was that situation. This guy didn't fit in anywhere, and you, I, can, I don't know, understand how people com- completely mm-hmm. missed that point. So that so everybody was racist against him. Yes, the black people didn't like him because he was white, and white people didn't like him because he was black. Whoa! I mean, it's and for nineteen what what year was the original one? Seventy five or something? No, I don't know. I, I don't even think it was that. That might have, it might be in nineteen seventy or something. I don't remember how far back it went. I think it was seventy seven. Oh, it was seventy seven? It was that? Oh, yeah. seventy two. Yeah, there you go. That makes sense. Seventy two would make sense. Absolutely, but it's um, it was an enjoyable movie. There's no question about it. And Ralph liked it because there were women with naked breasts in it, so he liked that. <laughs> or maybe that was Shaft. That that wasn't that was Superfly. That might have been Shaft. Shaft. Oh, that was a good movie. Shaft. See, who's a black private dick that's a sex machine to all the chicks? <laughs> Shaft. <laughs> We're losing our minds, Joe. That's all I know. That's it. We're becoming yeah. existentialists. Losing. Do yeah, you think we lost them a long time ago? We just kind of blew up a long time ago. It's rather sad, but we have to tell ourselves the truth. But So uh, what time do you leave on Friday? Uh, ideally, I'm hoping to leave 5 or 6. Oh, mean a.m.? Uh yeah, it's about a seven-hour drive to Kansas City. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. So are, are you going to stop at Arthur Bryant's? Either by mid-afternoon, and we'll overnight in Kansas City, then shoot up thirty-five uh, Saturday morning. Are you a barbecue guy? <laughs> I learned from my dad. Well, there you go, because I'm telling you, Kansas City barbecue is as good as it gets. It's really good. You got to have barbecue on Friday night. Right. You need to also remind me of the places you told me that I need to check out uh, for lunch. Yeah, absolutely. Gates Gates barbecue is really good, but Arthur Bryant's is the best. It is in the ghetto, but nobody's going to bother you. There's Unless it's Kansas City's changed a ton since I've been there, but Arthur Bryant's. Well, I'm a six three, three hundred twenty pound, twenty pound. That's true. MFR. <laughs> Nobody's gonna bother me. You're kind of like Black Pan, Black Mother F and Panther. Same story. Hey Joe, I've eaten at Arthur Bryant's. It is really good. Oh man, is it good? Then he just put the ribs right on a piece of uh, wax paper on a, a tray. On a tray. <laughs> Yeah, you don't get dig a, in. Hey, no, no plates that you can throw at people. You just get a tray with a piece of wax paper, and they put your uh, ribs and your fries on that, and you're good to go. 
I think you would absolutely no. love it. Arthur Bryant's. All right, so I will. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a buzz, and we'll uh, we'll figure things out, and life will be good. Right on. All right, thanks a lot, Joe. Thank you. Talk to you later. Joe calling from Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, is where he's working for the Ford Motor Company. So that's good. That's a good thing. It is a good thing. So give what some, else? Give me some Bryant's. Oh, that Arthur looks, that Bryant. place looks oh, great. Oh, you're looking at it. Yeah, I'm looking at oh, it. Oh man, man, yeah, he's put it just on the on the on the uh, wax paper. <laughs> no napkin. Are there any napkins there? No well, napkins. Better be. They have rolls of like uh, paper, paper towels. towels. Yeah. You lick yeah. your fingers and wipe them on the paper towel. Oh yeah, it's. I'm telling you. But the first time I ever went there was probably 1977, 78. But same, you know. And I went there, and I ordered a rack of ribs, and they brought it out with the fries, and I sat there and I ate it, and I brought the tray back with just the bones. That was all that was left. And one of the cooks turns to the other one and goes, I told you that mother effer could eat. <laughs> he said it right in front of me, too. He wasn't trying to hide his comment. He just said it right to me. It was fantastic. Oh, that's great to hear. That's great to hear. But I tell you, honestly, God, I, 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 I'm telling you that... That Gordon Marino really affected me because to hear a man, again, a heavyweight boxer, that the most important thing to him is human contact and to be loved. Isn't that, it's a wonderful, wonderful. Well, he kind of reminded me of the old, you know, those old movies with the priests that were the boxing coaches, you oh, know, yeah. and it was like trying to bring the wayward boys together. Well, it was Carl Malden and On the mm-hmm. Waterfront. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was Carl Malden. Remember the kid in the movie told him to go to hell? And no. he handed the kid his ass for telling him to go to hell. Don't be telling a Catholic priest to go to hell. That's He's true. not going to put up with it, especially when he can kick your butt. Yeah, some people say the same thing goes on with MMA now, where, where people are finding a place. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it be, because it is, it's a... It's sort of, you know, it's a sorority and a fraternity now mm-hmm. where you can mm-hmm. go and you're you're in this group of people who are training and, and many people that are doing that cross training or the MMA kind of uh, training kind of thing. It's, it's that kind of thing where you're in the, you have this whole social group, uh, which does does give you love. And there's social, there's physical contact, maybe not all, always the most pleasant, but certainly physical contact during yeah. the process. No, it's no, there's no question about it. Well, I, I've talked about that many times, that Mr. Laurent and Mr. Fisher... Uh, the father of Guy and Greg Laurent and the father of Andy Fisher. They both put their arm around me when I was 11, 12, 13 years old, and they both said, hey, Tom, we're very fond of you, and you'll, you'll do fine. Don't worry about it. I mean, that human contact from a grown man was very important to me because that was never going to happen with my dad. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. That was never going to happen. We will be back with Hour 3 in just a couple of minutes. Tom Bradarcho.